Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Muriel. And welcome to Hella, Hella in, in Your 30s. This week, we bring you Nick's guide to the Yale happiness course. Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Let's do jumping jacks. And we'll get rich. But oops, I found that bottle of gin underneath the sink again. So tomorrow's a new day. Let's order pizza. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hella in Your 30s. This is a podcast for people of all ages, all about navigating this dystopian world we live in. We hope you are well. Uh, welcome to our living room. If this is the first time you've ever listened to our podcast, then you're being embraced with big, strong, manly arms on one side and delicate, feminine, beautiful arms on the other side. You're just getting a sandwich of, of us. <laughs> I'm uh, like, whose arms are whose? <laughs> uh, man, well, what's going on, guys? How is your 2021? How is your life? Are you happy yet? We hope so. Uh, all right, I'm very excited about this episode. I am too. Okay, so I'm going to set it up a little bit. And we'll just, we're just going to go for it. I'm it ready. might be a mess. It might be a glorious uh, success. Who knows? Uh, but we're going to be happy at the end of the day. So <laughs> Nicholas, yes. this week, yeah. you're going to teach me about the Yale happiness course. This right. thing has taken the nation by storm. Yes. It's very like viral thing. If you haven't heard of it, Yale University put, I think, a bunch of courses online you don't, they're, you don't get any credit for them, but yeah. you can take them if you want right. to. Mm -hmm. And the most popular one um, of their online courses is this Yale happiness course. Right. And I didn't take it because I was too busy literally lying around in my pajamas for days at a time <laughs> at the beginning of this pandemic because I was not going to do anything. Yeah. It took me about nine months, <laughs> really nine months of solid, like, like Nick and I were talking today and, you know, like we kind of were like, okay, it's time to like rain it in like we've been busy and like yeah. starting to add stuff back into our routine because like yeah. when the pandemic hit you know we were like jobless and we had no we used to do theater stuff and all of that's closed down there's no comedy right. stuff right right so we basically were like well it's let's party like it's 1999 yeah, i guess we just watch <laughs> the office now we were just like sleeping all day we we're <laughs> yeah. just drinking like massive amounts of alcohol like <laughs> cooking these huge dinners yeah. lying around like all day sitting on the roof like i was just like i'm going to chill like i've never chilled before <laughs> and boy was it glorious well we thought it was gonna end because yeah, it was gonna right. end and then yeah. finally now around christmas I, we looked at each other and we're like we can't live like this <laughs> yeah, right. like i just i'm gonna die i'm gonna get like diabetes <laughs> so we're reining it in but at the time yeah. this is what a thing i was proud of you about yeah is that you were like still doing things yeah more than i was because i was kind of being a bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like all this free time let's let's get active let's, let's do some projects i was like stop it <laughs> come watch sopranos again i'm gonna lie in the bed and i <laughs> what's that thing you remember what? the simpsons were like Lisa and Bart get into a fight and then Marge is like, stop fighting. And so 
Bart goes, I'm just going to kick the air. And oh, someone yeah. walks by. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then Lisa's like, well, I'm just going to start punching. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm going to start lying on this bed and snugging. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to be signing up for the science of well-being at <laughs> Yale University. Yeah, and then uh, it made you more depressed. Well, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some issues here. So, okay. So here's the thing. Okay. Muriel got most of the information, most of the information correct. Uh, it's called the <laughs> science <you>. of well-being. <laughs> and it was taught at Yale. And it was the most popular class at Yale ever so they decided to make it free online oh okay yeah well I made up I made up a lot of what I said that's okay you got like some of the ballpark gist and I'm just gonna fill in <laughs> that's right more. I'm just punching the air <laughs> yeah and if any facts come near me they'll get punched and I'm just like laying back in Bruce Lee style like roundhouse kicking <laughs> with like incredible accuracy we'll see about that yeah, I know, for sure <laughs> um all right so I took this class and there was a lot of really cool stuff about it and it was really interesting and the reason I wanted to take it is because I was feeling like, like my mental well-being was pretty bad. Yeah. And I was uh, having a lot of issues with happiness. Yeah. And I wanted to see what this course had to offer. It really came from that that Great Gatsby book. Remember what... Okay, the, another thing that happened in the pandemic was that I, I read The Great Gatsby. Which and I then, did not. And then we did a Patreon episode where Muriel like quiz me to see if I could comprehend it and I just like didn't didn't comprehend it at all right and it was just this weird thing where I was like I felt like I didn't like the book yeah but I also didn't understand it really right so yeah I feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit so you're a grown-ass man you read it you didn't like it well you kept saying you kept saying you don't think you have reading comprehension and of course I being your loving wife want to uh go in and needle that part so we just, I was like, I quizzed you and you didn't know that much about it. Yes. But I bet you if you had to write an essay yeah. about why you didn't like it, be A plus. Well, I kind of realized like, well, my, this is what I'm going. Where okay. I'm going okay. Sorry. This. No more interruptions. Where I'm going with this is that I was feeling like I didn't like myself very much. Yeah. But then I was thinking, well, maybe I'm the great Gatsby. Maybe I'm just not comprehending myself very much. Oh, you know I what love I mean? That. Maybe I'm just not, maybe I just don't understand me. Yeah. Because so, you're pretty great. So probably if you don't like yourself, then you're, you're the one, you're the problem. Right. It's just like a, I'm just like <laughs> a flashing metaphor, like a billboard in the great Gatsby that apparently is the, unlocks the meaning to everything in the whole stupid book. I'm just like, a, I'm poetry. Okay. And I'm, also, you're a metaphor. I'm you're a metaphor. an enigma. I ne- I literally never know what you're <laughs> so thinking. Just, I don't understand you at all most of the time. So I did the I did the course. Okay. And I actually really learned a lot, and I enjoyed doing it. It was c- kind of fun. And then I thought, like, but I want to, like, I want to get more out of it. Mm-hmm. So I decided I would start. I would write a book about my experience taking the class. For those of you keeping track, Nick read a book did an, a whole online course from Yale and then decided to write a book. In this period of time, <laughs> I literally did nothing. Okay. So I can't anyways, point to anything. So anyways, I restarted the course and I was going to take it again and then like write my experiences on it. And I thought it would be really funny. I was like this book. And, you know, I wrote like, I, you know, I, the, the writing I was doing was cracking me up and I felt like it was really good. And I thought I had like this funny angle. Yeah. So the book was going to be titled The Unaccomplished Loser versus the Yale Happiness <laughs> Class. Right. So I was like and I just thought it'd be funny. I was like put kind of like my stand up sensibility into it and all this kind of stuff. 
So what happened is during my second time going through this course and writing this book, um, I just had to write about the ways in which I thought I was an unaccomplished loser. Right. Yeah. And like the issues that brought me to this place. Yeah. And sometimes exercising those demons is really therapeutic. Yes. And you can take like those kind of negative <laughs> feelings and like create something positive out of it. But whatever the hell this was is the, the, the attempt to write a book, a funny book about me feeling bad about myself and seeing if the Yale happiness course can make me feel better just made me feel worse. Right. It was it's, just, I know. It instead of excising your demons, you actually exercised your demons. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the difference between those words. And I'm just going to assume that you said it right. I just made them worse. It was like that. Yeah, you made them str- I was saying yeah. you made them stronger and more horrible with like, pointier sticks and all yeah that right stuff. i found out just funnier more creative ways to call myself pathetic you oh know? i hate this <laughs> i know i know but you're just gonna have to deal with it okay? i know i know because i'm I know... gonna make jokes about it because that's the only way i can handle <laughs> it all right yeah that, which is great um and i i'm just talking about this because i'm sure some other people deal with if you know similar things and I oh think- yeah the pandemic where we're all out of work and like <laughs> totally like 30 something and can't, like are nowhere near accomplishing anything <laughs> I think there's a like maybe a chance other people would relate to this I feel like Nick and I take years like alternate years on yeah. and off like for a while that was me and then I kind of got over it and then uh which was like afterwards I got done and I was like I'm fucking taking like Prozac next time. Yeah, I'm never right. never doing that again. I was like, I'll be fine for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. The house is burning down. Yeah, right. Then I kind of, it just kind of like got a little better and then, I don't know. I just, I love you so much and I know you're having a hard time. And yeah, it's I, okay. I'm doing, I'm doing the work. So anyways, <laughs> I thought writing this book would be doing the work. And then yeah, right. I was like, and then what will happen is the book will be a huge hit. And I'll and, be really and successful. And that will launch me out of being an unaccomplished loser into a career I can be proud of. <laughs> It'll parlay into more listeners that want to check out our podcast. <laughs> then they'll find our web series. You know, it's just like that whole thing. And then in a fit of spiraling downward yes. sometime a week or so ago, I had this idea where I would like, I would take my book. And I would, cause I wrote a ton of it and I would turn it into like a little mini series of a podcast. And then I started thinking about like reading this book out loud and like what I would do and how I do it. And that also made me feel worse. Oh, so- no. <laughs> oh, oh no, you're spiral. It was such a spiral. Oh no. Just like imagining me going for it was bad. So, but I'm sitting on this experience of having gone through the course, which is positive. Yeah. And I put a ton of work into thinking about it, right? So I'm not going to read you guys my book, read my book to you guys, or, you know, come up with a, the podcast version of that book. But what I did do is I kind of took the course for a third time, really just sort of like I just skimmed over because I've put a lot of work into it. Yeah. And I have boiled this shit down to the bullet points. So I have a question for okay. you. Okay. Yeah. So I'm super excited about this. Yeah. Um, because this was kind of your own thing. Yeah. And I, I don't know that much about that Yale Happiness course. Yeah. But I feel like every time you <laughs> What? I'm such a like an asshole. I every time you tell me things about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I know that. I invented that. 
I'm so like confident that I'm smarter than the lady who wrote this class. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I just feel like hella self-satisfied. Uh, like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I do that all the time. I did that back in 2013. <laughs> um, so, anyways, that's one thing. Uh, so I'm really which, excited about yeah, that. Right. Yeah. Okay. But also, I think this is great for anybody who's like thinking about wanting to take it. So what I did was I broke it kind of just into two main portions okay the first half of this thing is going to be why we're unhappy uh-huh. and the second half is going to be what science has proven actually works Wait, to make you happier so why we're unhappy according to this course okay not, you're not going to tell people our business about why we're unhappy <laughs> definitely not they know <laughs> <laughs> they know no uh, right why humans are unhappy and why this course exists okay. so couple of ground rules okay about the science of well-being taught by dr Lori santos are you trying to rein me in okay go ahead (laughs) (laughs) well i just want to say like if you take the course which i suggest people do this is not supposed to be a substitute for the course i'm just going to give you a little like a paper thin layer version of it do you think that i know everything in the course already I don't know. I probably wouldn't need to take it. (laughs) Well, given that you are the happiest person in the whole world, (laughs) I can't believe you didn't make the course, be a famous Yale professor, and then go on to have one of the top 10 podcasts in the world. That's what I can't believe either. Okay. So everything about this course is science-based. So anything I say will not be like someone's theory or, oh, that's kind of a cliche. So like you kind of sort of accept it. I just, just so I don't have to say it every time something kind of comes up, Uh just know, and she does a good job of it in the course. Everything is like these researchers, you know, found this to be true. Yeah. After like 40, no, like all of it's like 40 years study and like 13 countries across like 12 different socioeconomic you know sectors whatever you know so it's all like very proven in its way right Mm -hmm. so just be skeptical if you want but i'm not going to be like no the study said this and this and this i believe everything anything that's not true you're gonna be skeptical i believe everything everything people tell me (laughs) i'm like i saw this one thing on nbc or it might have been fox something something it's a headline but anyway yeah right this is yeah this is my headline version of the yale happiness i love it that's the only way i read okay good so everyone if you care actually about the science and the studies and everything i won't really break down like what interesting things they did to prove this or that just go take their course if you want that but here's like the little intro or here's the little basics okay okay first of all why does this course exist all right the reason this course exists is people are unhappier than ever yes we are (laughs) i'm still medium (laughs) yeah right best case scenario battery medium (laughs) (laughs) we do have this new bose speaker it's not really that new at this point but every time we turn it on it just battery fine that's battery medium (laughs) battery like that's just so fun i mean it's like it just always seems to say exactly how we feel because it's never like battery doing great guys go have fun listening to music it's just like battery fine (laughs) and then when it's kind of bad this is like battery medium because medium could be battery eight more hours of listening to music i mean after talking about our fucking feelings and being locked in this apartment for so long yeah like that's definitely without the bose thing that has also been our shorthand for like 
you know, I'm I'm okay. You yeah. know, or like I'm working through it. Yeah, right. It's like Nick's how Nick's like, how are you? I'm, like, I'm medium. I'm <laughs> yeah, pretty right. medium. Yeah. I'm I'm you know <laughs> battery fine. Battery fine. <laughs> <laughs> so people are unhappy. And now basically because I forget all the specifics, but like in terms of the course of psychology and this this st- modern study of human behavior and brains and feelings and thoughts and all that, we actually have tons of evidence and tons of work has been done that scientists can actually start to like kind of definitively say things about what makes people happy and what makes people unhappy. Mm-hmm. So that's why this course exists. Great. Okay, good. Um, Did you say you had two ground rules? I don't remember. You just kept saying I have a couple of ground rules. Okay. But I think you only said one. Basically, I don't even know if it's a ground rule. I'm just not going to cite the sources, okay? okay? Or like go over the science of it. Just trust. I just want to make sure we didn't lose a ground rule because I thought, I said, how do you want me to uh, act during this podcast when you tell me stuff? I was asking Nick, I was like, do you want me to ask questions? <laughs> and he's like, I'll just lay it all out in the ground rules. <laughs> <laughs> there are no ground rules. Yeah, ask questions, but I might not be able to answer all of them. <laughs> okay, okay. That's okay. fair. That's okay. Fair. Okay. So here's the thing about happiness. Okay. (laughs) 50% of it is genetics. Okay. So 50% of it is how you were born. You either got it or you don't. Now that doesn't mean you're either born with zero or born with 50, but what you have comes half of it comes from genetics. Got it. Okay. Why you just keep wanting to do bits? Like, <laughs> zero or fifty? And I was like, is there anyone who's a hundred? We're just either medium or nothing. <laughs> well, bad. this is how you get to a hundred. Okay, you're born with fifty percent, then ten percent of uncontrollable, uncontrollable circumstances um, make you happier. Okay. Okay, and forty percent of happiness comes from things you actually can work on such as thoughts habits intentions actions okay Okay? so you can plot against your brain yes you absolutely can in fact that's pretty much the entire science of well-being is basically like our brains are terrible at coming muriel's doing a very (laughs) self-satisfied she already did it's about plotting against your brain yeah it is that literally this whole thing is like guess what our brains are truly actually designed to be terrible at keeping us happy. Um, So the one interesting thing about that is that the 10% uncontrollable circumstances is uh, kind of like, I don't know. It's a really interesting thing to me and I will. Okay. I am. I'm already breaking my ground rules. I'll, you only uh, have one ground rule. I'll, I'll see it in studies when I feel like it. Okay. That's so fine. they just like did these studies of like people that, Got into horrible car accidents and like oh. lost the ability to walk. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, you know, pe- just horrible, like all the things that your rational brain would say guarantee would make me unhappy. Yeah. Um, actually don't make you unhappy is the thing. It's like being born into like poverty or something like that, being a part of this. Well, we'll definitely get into that yeah. because... We'll get into money. But I mean, like, that's not a part of... That is considered an uncontrollable circumstance. That's only accountable for 10% of your actual, like, spiritual Mm well-being. Okay. So that's kind of how it breaks down. Okay. Now, we'll just get into this thing right away. The main reason we're unhappy is because our brains are weapons against happiness okay that makes sense okay against that's totally right <laughs> yes and she sort of sets up the first sort of lesson she gives is this thing she's invented called the gi joe fallacy 
and being a very embarrassing elder millennial that she is, basically she's like, it's so embarrassing. She's what? like, well, first of all, she's teaching this class. What you're watching is videos of her talking to her Yale students yeah. who look like they're 12 years old. Right. They're so young. And you have to take a lot of it with a grain of salt because she is talking to them. You're just watching her talk to them. Yeah, right. right? So, and then she's like trying to convince all these Zoomers how awesome G.I. Joe was. And she's just like, <laughs> the only way Zoomers and millennials will ever get along is if we just stop trying to convince each other that we should care about shit that wasn't made for the other person. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, just let's just stop with that. Also, G.I. Joe was like, okay at best. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't tell Dr. Lori Santos that. Anyway, she loves G.I. Joe. Her face. Okay, go ahead. And then, and then, um, at the end of each episode of G.I. Joe, there'd be like a little PSA, like look both ways before you cross the street, right? Yeah. And then the kid would like learn a lesson from the nice soldier with the M16 assault rifle or whatever. And then and then the, their slogan would be like knowing is half the battle. Right. So the idea is if you just know something that you're like halfway to like incorporating into your life. And the reality of it is, is knowing is zero percent of the battle. (laughs) So you can know so many you can know so many rational facts. Like, I mean, for me, that made perfect sense because like I know that I'm not like a garbage piece of trash you know what i mean but my brain still wants to think it yeah you know what i mean it's like so like uh, immediately i was like that makes sense so a lot of why we're unhappy is this gi joe fallacy and a lot of what um stops us from incorporating things that actually could make us happier is because oh well now that i know that thing that should just be enough and i should be happier but you actually have to do that 40 percent of work on your thoughts habits intentions and actions well that totally makes sense in my experience right it's just like the same reason like if knowing is half the battle then like we would not be procrastinating you know, yeah. like, you know, every time you procrastinate, you feel like garbage and like, yeah, right. it's like your downtime doesn't feel good because you're stressed and then you're stressed the entire time you finish a stupid thing. Right. And what do you do every single time something happens? Procrastinate. Muriel Montgomery <laughs> will procrastinate until her eyes bleed and she won't enjoy any aspect of it except for when it's done. Okay. Great. Which could have happened right away if you had just done it. Yeah, and okay. I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we all do that a million times. Yeah. Okay. So one of the ways the G.I. Joe fallacy comes into play right away is that we just think we know what will make us happy and we're just wrong about it, right? Uh-huh. And then even if you know that like money can't buy happiness and even if you know materialism is like shallow and won't really lead to genuine happiness, even if you know those things, our brain still wants them, Mm -hmm. right? So we just come up with this laundry list of things, most of which is shoved down our throat by capitalism, that, (laughs) (laughs) that we think will make us happy. Okay, and right off the top one, and she's talking to her Yale students is a quote unquote good job. Yeah. Right. right. And the idea is a good job. That's what I need. And I'll be happy. Now, when she's talking to her Yale students and what she means by good job is like something that pays a lot of money and that society has sort of deemed as respectable. Right. Right. Like a doctor or a lawyer or a professor at Yale or whatever. It's like a good job that is respectable and pays a lot of money. Now. I'll get to it later of what actually makes us happy 
good jobs actually do make us happy, but it just has to be an entirely different set of things that define what good job is. Right, right, right. right. So like, I think that that is something that you and I deal with a lot is like, how often do we fantasize about the idea of like, oh, what if we had just went and gotten a law degree? Or what if we had just went off and gotten a quote unquote good job? Wouldn't we be happier? I don't think we fantasize about that. But I do I do think we fantasize more about like, oh, if, if I had just gotten like a staff writing job yeah. on a show, if yeah. I had just like, you know, aced that audition and yeah. been able to be on that TV show, like, right there are fantasies about what it would be like to have jobs that we've never had. Right. And we have no idea what they would actually be like or yeah, what they would, right. what would it entail. And we know that a, the friends of ours that really do have like really incredibly impressive, like jobs that we fantasize about having, having are not like the happiest people in the world who all their problems are solved. Like, you no, know? I mean, like I think not, I don't know if that applies to all of our friends, but definitely we know people who have the jobs that we wish we had. Yeah, right. And it's still stressful and like, right. You know, it's not like this. Like I have like everything. I think like the fantasy is not that like, even if a job is stressful or makes you feel like garbage or whatever, but like there's something about it that like boosts boosts your confidence. It's just like, and it's what you want to do. You know, like sometimes like I've been you know painting a lot, and we were talking about this in the car. It was like like I've been doing theater since I was a little kid. And like when I do work like that, I just love every minute of it. And it's so fun. And I'm enjoying myself so much. And painting has been this new thing where I like do it. And I'm like super compelled to do it. And when I'm done, I feel like I'm like really excited about the work, but in it, I am such a fucking asshole. <laughs> I don't like anybody talking to me. I can paint for eight hours. Yeah. Like I did the other day and I got done and we were walking and I was just like quiet and grumpy. Yeah, you know, like right. I just, there's nothing about it that makes me a good person. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's like, maybe I guess my point is, is like, I think that what we is assigned to the jobs that we never got. Yeah. Like I also completely assign like happiness to that. Right. You know, like maybe there's some level of fulfillment in those jobs that like I could never imagine, you know, and maybe like they are as good as I think that they're going to be on some level, but it still doesn't mean that I'm going to be like happy, you know, like that it's going to solve like, I'll have the, I'll live in exactly where I want to live. I'll have a beautiful like house. I'll do everything right. I'll like, you know, every day will be this celebration of life. (laughs) I'll take these amazing trips. No. And you you know, know, your brain knows that that job wouldn't equal solving all your problems but i definitely think it would (laughs) exactly gi joe fallacy okay great okay so connected to what you just said like great house and all that shit yeah is awesome stuff aka materialism yeah okay so she calls it awesome stuff she calls it awesome stuff. well i'm glad she did because then the zoomers can understand (laughs) i know well then she tries to like connect with them with talking about like how she loves like old school hip hop. Oh my God. Like, oh no. And then she's talking about all these cars. And at one point she calls an Impala, a type of Cadillac. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I hate wanting to nitpick you about that doctor, but, <laughs> but I am over 30 and we have some conversations to have. <laughs> and Impala is not a Cadillac. Um, so I think like we all know this, but material things just will not make you happier. The thing that they have also like definitively proved is even 
wanting material, even being the kind of person that wants material things will make you unhappier. So they, they interviewed all these people who in their early twenties and everyone who, uh, said material possessions were really important to them. Like uh-huh. they were really working towards a car. They were working towards um, like a watch. They were working toward, they wanted these things. Like 25 years later, all those people were way unhappier. So me not having any definable goals. <laughs> already ahead of the game. I've been ahead of the game for a long time. Yeah, man. see, no wonder. You're 2008. like. 2008. You're like. <laughs> <laughs> Just go where the wind blows me. You're, you're zen. You're Can't zen. drive. Okay. Okay, great. So. <laughs> Uh, so th- to me, that was really interesting that just not only will the things not make you happier, but even being materialistic will make you unhappier. Right. I definitely can see that. Right. So which sort of leads to money. Okay. Now everyone knows in your head that money can't buy happiness. Right. Root of all evil. So the thing about money is it actually can increase overall well-being up until a point. Right. Okay. So you told, I remember hearing about this. I think we actually talked about some of this on the podcast. Like this, this particular point. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I get what you're saying and I know you're going to get into it. And I think it's really interesting that it's like, there's a cap, you know, like to a certain point and then it doesn't bring you more happiness. Yeah. But I think that (laughs) there's not enough focus on how, being like super, super broke, generally speaking, yeah. brings so much. It's hard. It's yeah. hard being really broke. Unless you're like getting your somehow like set of needs met. Like, you know, you live in a country where like you don't have a lot of money. You don't make a lot of money. But like, let's say you have free health care. Yeah. And like, you know, a really strong culture that like centers around like good bonds and <laughs> yeah, friendships yeah, and like yeah. doing art. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, OK, yeah, yeah. Then you're broke. In America, you have to buy those things. Yeah, right. So, right. So this is like a great GI. This is like a big part of the 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 GI Joe fallacy is like is like saying that might be true for other people. Like, like you could listen to her lecture, you can watch all of the research, you can look at all the charts, and you can say like, I understand that that is true for those people. Yeah. But making $2 million a year would actually make me way happier than making $1 million a year. I know, I know all the science out there says that statistically proven that is absolutely a fact that people making $2 million are not happier than people making $1 million. And I know that. But for me, I would be different, right? So that like it gets into this big G.I. <laughs> Joe fallacy thing of like why we don't accept these things that actually we know are true. Right. Right. Okay. So the short story is in America today, the number is $75,000 a year. So if you make up, if any increase in money up to $75,000 a year, well, that's per person. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I think you and I can cobble that together. <laughs> yeah, right. No, 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 no. That's per person. Okay. So you do see a, a growth in happiness there. And, Basically, the idea is that is a, a solid amount of money that you can get all your basic needs and some, you, you know, obviously you can't go buy crazy cars or fancy watches, but you actually can like get your basic needs and experience some fulfilling things in America if you make $75,000 a year. Yeah. So the, 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 the basic idea is 
there's a giant increase if you go from having no money where you can't get your basic needs yeah. met. And basic needs is not eating food so you don't starve to death. That also includes like shelter and health care and clothing. Transportation. Yeah. yeah. Child care. So it's a little bit of a sliding scale because it's like the basic needs of the society that you're a part of. I right? see. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So that's that. And there's, I mean, and she really goes in on these Yale kids for this because you can tell all those kids are expecting to be millionaires. Well, they're, oh. they're probably already millionaires. Right. I'm well, sorry. that was a hilarious <laughs> thing. She was talking to them and she was like, I mean, I know some of you guys are thinking like, ooh, I'm going to get out of this thing and go get this job and I'm going to be making 150K and then, you know, then I'll, you know, but I really, you know, then I'll want 225K and that'll make me happier and all this. And she's saying these numbers and it flashes to these kids in, you know, and you can just tell like those kids are like, oh, no, 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 no. My parents make way more than that <laughs> i am expecting to make quadruple that shit i am literally gonna go work for my dad <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like i am literally gonna start it twice that <laughs> uh so kind of like the, the simplistic way to put it is what ends up happening is the more money you make after seventy five thousand dollars, the reason happiness is, doesn't increase is because you constantly think you actually should be making a little more yeah. So it's just, there's just literally never enough. Yeah. So that's why a big salary does not equal happiness because scientifically it's proven that the more you make, the more you think you should make. Yeah. And therefore you can never have actual satisfaction or well being if you're attaching your emotions and how you actually feel and what it's supposed to be good for you to that number. Yeah. Because that number is infinite infinite there is yeah. no cap yeah i would like to experience what it would be like to be like i don't think that billionaires should exist yeah like i i am firmly on the side of i just don't think it's necessary right and it's like a flawed part of our economic system that they do exist <laughs> yeah. in our democracy but i do think it would be tight to feel what it would feel like to be a millionaire for like even just like well, I really want to try it just for like a month. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Like not a day, but like a month. There is something about being mega rich. Yeah. Where you're like, I don't know if it would make me more happy, but I definitely think it would be like fucking fascinating. Yeah. Right. To like see what it would be like to like have enough money to kind of like see a part of the world that like nobody gets to see like the <laughs> the mall dives wait what are the <laughs> those on, like those cra- i was gonna say onions <laughs> those crazy uh islands uh-huh. that are like you know just like places in like the galapagos or some shit well like yeah like you go to these islands and it's like this person owns one of them or like you know like or like you just go to where the richest people hang out like what what does that look like see i what i would be more interested in is to see like if you were to walk into a place that only the richest people are able to shop at and experience, I would just be curious to see how the people treated you, you know? I think that would probably make me the most unhappy. Yeah. Like I just don't, I think it'd be super weird. But the thing I, I'm is, not saying, I don't, I think it'd be weird too. I'd just be that, curious to feel it. If you're that rich, yeah. you don't have to experience that at all. Right. You can be like everyone leave. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Everyone leave and leave the Ferraris here. I'm buying this whole dealership. Yeah, or like whatever. This You're is just like, well, I want to go shop for coach, but I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, right. And you can literally be like, go sit in the break room. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I, I worked at restaurants where like, 
<laughs> this guy was such an asshole. It's like this guy who worked at, I can't remember what, it's Disney or something. And he was like some like crazy, really high up like CEO dude. Yeah. And like we were close and I was like setting up the restaurant. It's me. I'm alone. Yeah. And then somebody comes up to me like a manager and they're like, oh, by the way, it's some super famous like CEO. He's like, this guy's coming in and he wants to have a private breakfast Yeah, he's meeting. the main huge like Democratic donor guy. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember his I name. I can't remember his name. Uh, but and he just came in and it was like, this is a place that makes like no accommodations for anyone yeah. at the time like I was working there. And it was just like, well, that guy came in and <laughs> I waited on him while I was setting up the restaurant and empty. like, it was yeah. just like, there is no one else. Like there that, that echelon of like, and that's just a small example yeah, right. of like empty restaurant. It's dark. I'm waiting on them, but I'm also like, like setting tables and wrapping pizza boxes. Yeah, no yeah. one's in there. Yeah. And it's like, because they're having like this crazy private, high stakes meeting in the corner and it's just like all right you know (laughs) but like if you're that rich and you're just like i don't want to be treated like i'm rich you can just be like i'm not just empty the place yeah right i mean i always (laughs) anyway i'm gonna stop talking but it's just like always baffled me that fucking ellen came into the one of the restaurants i was working at at like super super crazy lunch rush and was just like crammed in a foyer with like 50 people you're like why did you do that (laughs) yeah right you're so rich (laughs) it's like ellen and portia to rossi and they like didn't make a reservation for a table yeah and they're being crowded into this place and you're just like man (laughs) like just go through the back like you're insane you could have eaten in the office (laughs) yeah right (laughs) like we live right around the block just come Come over to our I'll just come bring you your stupid food. <laughs> it's like, you're looking so uncomfortable. I was like, you are way too rich to be in this position. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's like, do you want to be rich? Like, yeah, I think that sounds good. Do I think it'll make me happier? No. It'd be, what would make me happier? I would want, <laughs> I want like hella crazy spa day at like a place that like injects your face with your own blood. You know, like <laughs> one of those crazy places. <laughs> Just the most pointless thing. It's like we're taking the blood out of your face and returning it to your face. Yeah, they, I think it's called a vampire facial. Is that was, real? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was... That <laughs> I mean, I would want to be like, give me... Like, I want to see what the most expensive caviar tastes like. Yeah. I want to be like hella pampered. I yeah. want to like go you know like i would want to go on a trip you know and like see some shit and like have an unlimited budget and like not even think about it like i'd want to do some luxury things but beyond that i think i would i I don't know i'd just be like i'd think i was an asshole i still would think i would i would because i already think i'm an asshole and if I had a lot of money, I mean, I think I'm already ruined. <laughs> you know, like I can't get rich at this point because yeah. I'm just going to be like, nah, I don't deserve this. I'm going to go find a hole. Very good. Very good, Miriam. Yeah. I, okay. Good. All right. <laughs> so the next thing that society says will make you happy and everyone thinks it will. And it just ends up not really contributing true love. What? Yes. True love. It doesn't make you happy? It doesn't make you happier. It doesn't have a very big, it does not have a long-term impact on an individual's overall well-being or happiness. There are There are periods of time, there's a short period of time, basically the honeymoon period, where there is remarkably increased happiness and well-being. Okay, can I ask a question? Yeah. 
I think that there's a difference between like true love. Yeah. I'm making quotes and like a functional supportive relationship. Yeah. And it seems weird to equate those two things. Like I do get like the honeymoon period as being yeah. like, you know, you're in love and like that. But like having a partner, like a life partner. Yeah. I do. I can't imagine that that wouldn't add it, to your happiness. It doesn't. Well, then that's good. Because <laughs> I was feeling like people were locked down and in, yeah, in right. quarantine. And like, I was like, oh, I'm worried about, you know, like my friends who maybe like I was even Scott, we were like doing a Zoom interview with someone. Yeah. And they were like, I was like, what, what would you want to do the first day the pandemic's over? If you could do anything. And he was like, I want, I want to kiss someone. Yeah, it's right. like, I haven't gotten like kissed in yeah. like eight months. Yeah. Right. You know? And I was like, oh man, that sucks. But that guy is not, he's probably happier than I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to get kissed every day. <laughs> there. Yeah. So this is like one of those hard ones too, because it's just really, really hard to not want companionship and to want but you Love. think it's gonna solve your problems or like make you happy, but you're just gonna be as miserable. It'll it, it doesn't it doesn't have an impact. That's interesting. The thing it long term, and we'll get into this. The main reason it doesn't is a thing called hedonic adaptation. Okay, okay. which we'll get into. But one thing I just want to quickly say before we move on to hedonic, hedonic adaptation is that uh, they notably did not give any studies or research proving that wanting true love or searching for true love and not getting it leads to greater unhappiness the way materialism just being materialistic makes you unhappier yeah so if it so as far as i can tell there's no research that says wanting true love looking for it going after it has a negative impact on you which i would think it would well i think you might there might be like I don't know why, because you'd be disappointed if you didn't find it. I think you'd be way more disappointed if you like couldn't ever, if you had an idea in your head, in your yeah. heart, all I need yeah. is this car to make yeah. me happy versus all I need is someone to love me to make me happy. Yeah. I guess it just to me seems like it would lead to greater unhappiness because it's a stronger want. I mean, it's a little psychotic to be like, or psychopathic to be like, okay, well, I, uh, I, I don't care if I ever find a life partner or someone to love, but I do want that car. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it seems like a bigger letdown. Yeah. Even if it's fantasy. Right. You know? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Apparently not. Cause that's another, an, uh, here's another big thing that not only are humans really, really bad at, at knowing what will make them happy. We're also incredibly bad at judging how sad we'll be if something doesn't happen. So we're e we're actually even worse at that. So for instance, like with all these, they because all these research things happened at school, they would just did like all these studies about people who got worse grades than they thought they were going to get, and they asked they were asked before like, okay, you 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 think you'll get a B? Okay, how happy will be? will you be if you get an A and how upset, how bad will it be if you get a D, right? And people were really, people are really bad at guessing. So on the scale of like one to 10, 10 being incredible, one being um, terrible. If you get an A, how will you feel? And they say, I'll feel like a nine, right? Okay, if you get a D, how will you feel? I'll feel like a one, right? And then 
that person who really thought they were going to get a B gets an A, they don't feel a nine. They feel like a four. And the person who, get, who really thought they were going to get a B and got a D feels like a like a four. I want to argue with that so bad. I mean, I know that the science is there. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I think that I always know what's going to make me happy, even though that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point. I know. We don't know. know. And we're really bad at judging how terrible we will feel if something happens. They did a big one with people who ended up testing positive for HIV. Mm-hmm. And it was like, how is this going to impact your life? And they just had like all of these like, stories of tragedy and sadness and how hard their life was going to be. And in reality, it's, it didn't impact them anywhere near as negatively. Same thing with the people who got in like horrible car accidents and became like quadriplegics and stuff. You think if I leave this building and go get hit by a car and I get the medical debt and I'm going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and all these things that will like ruin my, any chance I have of happiness or, you know, that will like really be this horrible thing on my overall well-being, and the reality of it is it's just it just doesn't impact you anywhere near as bad as you think it will so my point with that's that that's crazy well it, right and the same thing with like <laughs> winning money actually does never helps anyone either but i um, just want all those I, well not all those things i just want to win the money uh, <laughs> i want the good things i don't want to see but even you know right like anecdotal anecdotally whatever that word is, you know that like people who win the lottery by and large, almost across the board, always lose that money and go broke. Right. Like anecdotally, you're I know, but it wouldn't happen to me. Exactly. Everyone (laughs) thinks I understand. (laughs) It's funny talking about science in the face of like this coronavirus thing, because we're like, believe science, you got to believe science. And this is like all these scientists are like, Listen, I know you're going to think that this doesn't apply to you, but, but statistically, it's guaranteed to apply. The science proves it. Anyways, my what I'm talking about with the hedonic adaptation, no, I'm confused now. What I'm talking about with the um, like misjudging how sad you'll be is that long-term actual sort of like impact on not finding the love that you were looking for mm-hmm. is just doesn't have that great of a negative impact that's so good i mean i'm glad about that yeah yeah well you know and i remember talking about this at one point on the podcast a while ago but you and i have true love you know yeah and here i am taking the yellow happiness course you're sad. <laughs> trying to figure out how to make things better yeah okay moving on Hit another me. thing that people really think is going to make them happier is the perfect body. Yes. So here's the thing about the bodies. <laughs> it's, it's to me, this one's almost the most drastic sort of depressing one out of all this is first of all, like the, um, s- statistically plastic surgery just does not lead to overall better well-being. In fact, it's almost the exact opposite. Uh-huh. Scientifically plastic surgery almost always leads to, bigger negative impact than positive. Whoa. Same with diets that actually work. (laughs) Make you sadder? Yes. Oh. You know what? Okay, I'm going to say something. Yeah. That's always the saddest part for me about diets. Yeah. It's the idea that that's my life now. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like thinking about it constantly and worrying about like 
what I'm doing. Like yeah, I'm just right. like I just want to live. Yeah, you know, right. which is like why I'm not skinny. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but it's like I like even when they start working, I'm just like, huh. <laughs> like it's not like yeah, you feel right. like I've never felt like amazing doing a diet. Yeah, I'm right. always just like kind of hungry and like kind of annoyed by it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's they don't lead to more happiness, and they actually lead to more unhappiness the more they work. That's so funny because the thing is, is like you then you're like. Uh, this is the thing. It's yeah. just because I think it's because you're like, okay, I've always wanted to be skinnier. I'm going to do it this year. And it starts to work. And then yeah. you look at what you have to do to do that. And yeah. you realize that your life before that was happier. <laughs> yeah, right. Is that it? Well, it's well, definitely part of it. Yeah. Because that's how I feel at least. <laughs> it's like, that's why it has to be like this like long game slow weight loss you know what i mean yeah you have right. to like agree that you, you have to like agree to the you know lifestyle change right which well, is like well the big reason why it doesn't really work it's sort of like the money thing yeah in that it's just basically social comparison which is the thing i'll get into but you can always just kind of have a more perfect body it can always be a little better. Well, why don't you explain hedonistic adaptation? Because I think that's kind of a cool word. And also, you're sort of... I feel like you're getting into that. Okay, hedonistic adaptation is um, this idea that for better and for worse, humans are actually incredibly adaptable and we just get used to things, which is why actually true love doesn't equal long-term greater happiness. Right. Because you're just like, I'm kind of sad. You fall in love. You like shoot through the roof and then you of with happiness and then you just kind of get used to it. Right. So it's not like it, it's less like to me, I guess maybe than the idea is it doesn't lead to exponential happiness or is it like your happiness reduces over time because you're used to it. You're just used to yeah, it. Yeah, okay. So in, in I the, get that. Yeah, right. So and the and and that's why things that we think will be so terrible generally aren't that bad because well, we get used to it. Yeah, I mean I know we're all thinking this, but it's like there are things like I've just gotten used to about the pandemic. Like every time we go to Dodger Stadium to get tested yeah. for COVID, because it's like kind of the easiest thing and they don't jam that stupid thing up your nose. <laughs> yeah. It's like a spit one, which is much, much better than the other thing that they I hate the other thing. Anyway. Uh, the nose swab. Every time we go to Dodger Stadium, it feels like this crazy post-apocalyptic world. You know, it's like... This concrete wasteland. It's a concrete wasteland. Yeah. There's usually some sort of a police helicopter like yeah. going over the top. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's everyone's like in these like in this gear and yeah. like has like, you know, face masks on and like there's all these signs. And then there's just like thousands of people in line in these cars like snaking through. You know, it's just like this massive amount of people getting tested and it's like in what point in your life? Like I remember the first time I went there, I was just like, this is insane. This is like out of a movie. Yeah. Right. And then like, this is horrifying. Right. And then like, you know, you go whenever you need to go. And like the last time we went, I was just sitting there and I was like, it's so weird that I'm not having a reaction to this. Yeah. Anymore. Right. You it's know, like normal. Yeah. Whatever. The first time I was like, yeah. holy shit, this is crazy. And this time I was like, trying to find that in myself yeah. you know and i was like i can't find any excitement about this it's like intellectually i can see how still it's crazy right but i just like have adapted to the point where like i don't have any of those like that adrenaline or like 
sort of like peaked interest or anything. Totally. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, that's the whole Trump and uh, totally. whatever that was called. What's it, when you're elected for four years or whatever? Fascism. Presidency. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, I mean, that's why you just got used to the millions of scandals and like everything terrible every day. And like, there's like 10 new headlines every day about something unconscionable or whatever that word is that he did or whatever. And eventually you're just like, you just, adapt to it yeah you know right that's really that is really interesting that makes sense actually more about the relationship stuff yeah like the idea that you just kind of adapt and move on yeah you know right so in that way it does adapt to the perfect body thing because it's just like it can never be it can never be enough You're right because like even striving. if it, you're you're physical prime right if you adapt to that like you can only think like oh my god what if i was just a little bit faster yeah right yeah so I'll, uh, I'll <laughs> I guess I'll just say this part now, but the only way to really feel happy when it comes to your body is to either be born with it <laughs> uh-huh. or you just don't care. Yeah. Like if you just, you don't need a good, you, you don't, you don't need to look like anything to be happy. You just have to have like a disconnect with how you know, with where you place yourself in the world based on it. Like if you don't like, it's basically, you know, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Like, I think I generally, I waffle. Cause of course, like you want to like, you know, like gaining weight as you get older, or when you get depressed, like yeah. I gained most of my weight when I had like depression, Yeah, you know? And then it's like, you're also older. So it's like, you're not losing it as easily. Right. And it's just like, ugh. But part of me is also kind of like, I don't have, I, if I were like just in the world walking around and I wasn't thinking like comparison, comparing myself to other people or feeling sensitive about it, like I don't care. Like I'm healthy, right? you know, like, I mean, I'm a healthy person. I can like do whatever I feel like doing, right? you know, but like, uh, it is weird. It's like, you do have to have like almost a disconnect where you just don't care. Like I haven't really been able to shift to the side of feeling like hella positive about it. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but right. I, I definitely have been like, I don't know. I, I, I love like I've got I'm in a loving relationship with somebody who I love, and I, yeah. I feel like feels like I'm attractive. And like, aside from that, like, I don't find any self worth, more self worth, in being thinner. Yeah, I mean, there is like this interesting thing where having like self love for yourself and like the whole, like whatever, like, you know, accepting different body types and, you know, this sort of like focus on being really like proud and saying like, these are beautiful too. There is something very needed scientifically speaking for that, just to combat like some of the negative forces that go against people. Yeah. But it's not, it doesn't actually equal more happiness. Well, I also think everybody else's body is great. I like think all body types are actually like I I genuinely am like most of the time, you know, I'm like always think people look pretty good. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's just like me. I don't really like, you know, so I'm like, well, I'll just let that go. (laughs) Like it's too complicated. I don't want to think about it. (laughs) That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good bridge to this thing called social comparison, Mm -hmm. which is just a huge reason why we're unhappy is because we just compare ourselves to other people. Yeah. Now, Clearly in the modern age, one of the, 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 this main reason why people are the unhappiest now than they've ever been 
in addition to just there being more shit in the world, meaning more materialistic things that more products exist now than they ever have. And there's a direct correlation with the number of products and the amount of unhappiness. But also the big one is social media. It's so horrible. So the thing about social media that's really terrible is our brains do not think Oh, I can't remember. We either don't think in absolutes or we do think in absolutes. And there's it's either like absolute thinking versus relative thinking. I can't remember which one. But it would the be idea, relative thinking. We don't we don't think in absolutes. We think in rel, we have relative thinking. Well, I'll just tell me. I'll just tell you the point, and then you explain it back to me. See. If well, it's right I don't right. know. Maybe I'm okay. Right. okay. So I was wrong the about idea the other thing. Okay. Is that you, you know we're going to compare ourselves to other people, uh-huh. right? That's just we we just do that as humans. It's one of the annoying features of the brain that like makes us unhappy right so if i was going to think like a person who i could compare myself to that makes sense it maybe be like our next door neighbor right? right yeah they pay like the same rent we live in the same neighborhood okay that sort of makes sense it could be like my brothers right yeah. same gender we look the same raised in the same house similar ages very similar like that kind of makes sense to compare yourself to like those people right the problem is is our brains don't stop there. I will then look on Instagram and scroll through and start comparing myself to Kim Kardashian. I will compare myself to, you know, fucking Action Bronson or whatever, <laughs> you know. Uh, you start, you, you, you basically compare yourself to whatever you see. So, and actually even before social media, they started picking up on this with television and then especially with reality television. So when you were looking into people's houses or like MTV cribs and these kinds of things, people that were watching on TV, rich and famous people that not only are different from you because they're rich and famous, but like, you know, it'd be like me comparing myself to a professional athlete or something, Right. right? It's like they're younger than me they care about hockey. Like I don't care about hockey, right? It's like all these things that like, there's no real reason why I should compare myself to them. Yeah. And I know that on some sort of rational level, but our brains will not deny us the ability to compare us with them. That's a weird one. Cause I, I'm trying, I mean, I think I'm just going to sound dumb, but I yeah. think that's relativism in that, Oh yeah. We because if you were thinking if you were if your brain always thought in absolutes and you'd always know, I I am defined as X and those yeah. people are as defined as Y. Right. And it would be easy to kind of tell apart, like understand that that comparison is not valid. Yeah. But then if you're always relative, it's like you're always thinking of yourself in relation to other things. Right. right. I think. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's why I mean, with social media, like I was like. One thing about it that I just realized, like, it makes you really sad. The only thing I like is Reddit because everyone on there is crazy. And you get to, like, (laughs) just read all these. I mean, it's just, like, feels good. I I just think it's great. It's just, like, reading stories. It's, like, whatever. But it's really, it's anonymous. It's almost not even social media. I mean, in a way. Some people get really into it. And, like, you can, like, really communicate with people. But I I just kind of, like, it's, like... It's just like a fun, I, I find, I find it to be really fun and yeah. I don't know anyone in real life on Reddit. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest difference. Right. But I think the thing is, is like when I was, I've, I've gotten basically off of all social media except for that. Yeah. And I just remember when I was sitting there deciding that I, 
like realizing it made me unhappy. I was like, I don't know these people. Like, I just don't. I don't know. Like any of the people you're comparing yourself to, if you right. just get off of social media, you just don't think about them. Well, They're not right. in your life. Right. You don't, they don't, ex- and even like people yeah. that you know that like at one point in your life that you knew that you're still Facebook friends with. Yeah, right. And like they're doing like something really, really well and like you didn't get to do that. It's like if you didn't see that on Facebook, you would never think about it and you wouldn't feel bad about yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like, you know, I'm not sitting, it's like, and if I did know that person and I really knew them, and I knew them enough that I would understand, like, I would know when they did well because they would text me and they would be excited. Yeah, right. Then I would feel happy for them. Yeah, right. You know, like, yeah. there's nobody that I know that I, like, actually know and, like, love and I'm, like, care about that, like, did something really great. That like, you're jealous that of. That I'm jealous of. Yeah, right, I'm of always excited for I mean, I, I mean, even with friends that I totally love, it was just this weird thing where I noticed with social media where as if, if I heard that someone had like accomplished something or did something awesome. If I heard it just through conversation or whatever, I would feel happy for them and yeah. proud of them. Yeah. And if I, the same person had the same bit of news, but I saw it on social media, I would feel jealous because one of them is in the context of your life. You know, it's like you're, yeah. you're talking about it cause you're right. all friends. Right. And, and it's, it's like, like you're like mind. involved in the community yeah. of this thing. Yeah. And this other thing is just like you, you saw it. You're, you're excluded. You're like not in right. the room. And it's like, it's not like you're in the room when you hear about it, but it's like, right. You know, you're in the community. You're among friends. You're having this interaction and you're talking about somebody that's like, you're just like, Whoa, that's crazy. You know? So the, uh, I mean, this is kind of like the other G.I. Joe fallacy where the G.I. Joe fallacy comes into the social media thing is obviously people are just presenting themselves whatever curated way they want on social media. Right. Everyone knows right. that. I mean, we love all you people that comment on our Instagram. By the way, that's like one of the pretty much the only social media thing I look at is the Hell in Your 30s Instagram. And it is. It, that feels so like community fun. and it's great yeah but like if we put up a cute photo of us trust us there's a bunch of other photos where we look like shit and most episodes we don't even we don't put photos up for at all because we didn't want to because we look bad let's be real it's because muriel didn't want to put on a bra <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like trust us like we do not like we are curating that shit. We are putting up like the few photos that actually seem to be okay. Like, you know, we're not even attempting photos for this other shit. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, I know that I do that. I know that other people do it. And that does not stop my brain from thinking, Oh, I wish I was doing that. Why am I not doing that? Why am I not, you know, going on that hike or, taking that cool trip or getting this, that great opportunity or, mm-hmm. you know, or like, you know, eating that hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, Miro, that's the photo you did post. <laughs> and okay. I guess that's, I think that's, I think that is my, uh, wrap up of all the reasons we're unhappy. I think that's it. I think, I think this segment Can you bullet is point it? Bullet point it. Boom. We're unhappy because uh, our brains have all these annoying features, such as the G.I. Joe fallacy. We're unhappy because um, and then our brains think that things will make us happy that just do not make us happy, such as, quote, unquote, good jobs, um, awesome stuff, money, true love, perfect bodies and other things. All right. So your brain thinks that. So at this point, we're unhappy because despite what we know. 
our brains think if we achieve this weird set of standards yeah. that are basically just like neo-capitalistic weirdo American things also <laughs> yeah, right. but like these like set of standards then our we'll ov- be happy. Yeah. Our so, overall well-being be- will improve. So not attaining them makes us sad. Yes. And attaining them also makes us sad. Yes. Okay. Right. So <laughs> just, just for clarity. Yes. It just means like you damned if you do damned if you don't, if you're thinking about any of those things. <laughs> that is correct. Okay. Okay. Great. Good. And with that, that concludes uh, the first part of my lecture. Oh my God. This episode is brought to you by Dove Bars. Uh, the right, the, the, the good soap that will make you feel good. I don't know. That's what Dr. Lori Santos says on her podcast. Oh. Of course, this <laughs> podcast isn't sponsored by anyone except for the people who sign up for our Patreon, such as Kate B. Oh, my goodness. Who uh, upped her pledge on Patreon like a straight boss. And we got a new Patreon member. Shout out to Michelle C. Thank you. In case you don't know, now you know. Please believe it. You signing up for our Patreon is the biggest thing in the world. According to the math I did, I think we only need 391 more people to sign up. What? Yes, I'm pretty sure we're there. I think if 391 more people sign up for our Patreon, then this can be our job. Forever? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So you know what to do. Or just leave us a stupid uh, review on iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) The free way to help the podcast. And it helps. All right, we have to get back to the episode. Because it's two hours long. All right, here we go. Patreon.com slash hell in your 30s. Okay, welcome back, class. All right, so here is the second part of my lecture, which uh, is the things that actually work. Very good. Okay, great. Okay, so this thank is what, God. <laughs> this is what is supposed to make us happier, and because like the the thesis for this whole class is uh, happiness can be learned. Okay, mm-hmm. which notice they're not saying learn how to be happy. It's not. It'd be <laughs> like if trigonometry was like trigonometry can be learned. It's like, mm, are you gonna teach me trigonometry? They're like, it can be learned. It's like, <laughs> well, okay. Probably not for you, you weirdo. <laughs> so they're. She's not saying you will be happy, but now you can learn the things that will actually, you know, actually have been scientifically proven to benefit overall well-being okay okay so some of this we're going to kind of revisit some of the things that made us unhappy such as this idea of a good job okay okay so a good job thought of differently actually can really lead to overall well-being and increased happiness oh i bet there's sort of two different thoughts on to what an actual good job is okay First of all, it needs to make $75,000 a year. If we, if we okay, started. so teachers, we <laughs> got to give our teachers some money. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. give them 75 grand. Okay. Okay. So the main thought is that a good job calls upon you to really utilize your core character strengths. What are core character strengths? Glad you asked. Okay, so the VIA Institute has come up with these. There's like 25 um, like core core character strengths, okay? Those include things like love, humor, gratitude, forgiveness, fairness, judgment, leadership, bravery, humility, spirituality, hope, self-regulation. There's a bunch of them, right? Well, we actually, we did try to find our core character strengths without any of the context of the class. I just wanted to take the test. Yeah. And uh, that was super interesting. I, I took it, you took it. Yeah. And we had 
almost opposite ones. And then I have my one of my really good friends who's a listener of the podcast, yeah. DB, if you're out there, uh, took it. And then she and I had actually really similar ones. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so the idea is th- this institute came up with this list of s- strengths. Yeah. And then if you and then they rank them for you. So this is the thing. So at the top of mine was like love and humor. Yeah. Right. So, OK, like if you have a job and curiosity was another top one for me. So the idea is that if you have a job that calls upon you to utilize your core strengths in a way that challenges you in with tasks that are obtained that are possible to accomplish, like it can't be so hard that you fail, right? Mm-hmm. It needs to but it needs to be hard enough where you kind of really call upon those strengths and really like utilize them. Yes. Okay. So the idea is that if you have a job that does those things, then that leads to a thing called flow. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So flow is basically when you get, when you basically lose track of time. Oh, interesting. So if you, and that happened to us the other day, I was working on the little animation thing. You were working on your painting and I was like, Oh my God, did five hours just go by? Like I, we, I know that we experienced that. Oh yeah. And we even do that with podcasting. I'll be like, how long was that? We're like, Oh my God, it was 45 (laughs) minutes. Right. So that's basically how you should, what you should be looking for in a job, in a good job. Like the time flies by, as opposed to that time I worked at a hair salon and I literally (laughs) was like, I think I'm going to die here of old age. (laughs) And I hated every minute. Yeah. Right. Actually waiting tables is kind of like flow. As long as I'm busy. Yeah. It's great. If I'm slow, I (laughs) waiting tables is another one where you're like, I think I'm literally going backwards in time. I'm <laughs> yeah, so right. bored. I'm going backwards in time. Well, it's interesting that you said the waiting at the tables thing because, you know, my top one, my top ones were like love and humor and curiosity. I can't remember the rest of them, but basically like, okay, I think everyone knows this, but you know, Mira and I have been working in restaurants forever and we're trying to get out of that and have podcasting and comedy and content creation, whatever, sort of be our livelihood. Right. And we haven't been able to do that. And, before the shutdown, I had to go back into restaurants and it was just like the unhappiest I've ever been basically. Yeah. And then I was thinking about why that job was so much worse for me than like my old job that I also still wanted to leave and still wanted to get out of. And we're still kind of depressed. And was still kind of depressed, but it was just so different. And it occurred to me that like at beer belly, I really was like, I loved my coworkers. Yeah, like it was like a family, yeah, you know? Yeah. And like, I was able to be myself there and like use humor as a way to like get through the day. And at the next job, it was just like, none of those things were allowed. Yeah. Right. So I do think that there is not only jobs, but certain, like if you were going to say the job of waiting tables, but then the certain like specific workplaces sort of um, encourage you to use those strengths. Right. right? Yeah. And there was one um, study. I remember telling you about this a while ago. It was like they studied people who worked in hospitals that like cleaned up after the sickest patients. Right. Yeah. So these weren't doctor. These were like janitors, but even you go, clean up the poop you clean up the vomit you go right like, yeah. with the cancer patients and like really like the sickest people who have like the, the most sort of like intense cleanup needs it was like these people and they interviewed a bunch of different ones and the ones that were 
whose job environment sort of allowed them to kind of like have a little bit of a personality and sort of like insert themselves in little like um, uh, creative ways or just which it doesn't have to be creative, just whatever way like felt give them good some to agency. Them, give them agency. Yeah. Were so much happier than the than the people that had the exact same job but were kind of denied agency, mm-hmm. right? So they gave the example of, you know, one lady, she just had like a corny joke that she would say to patients. And she would use the same corny joke over and over again. It would make the patients laugh and it made her laugh, mm-hmm. right? And then with a different person was told like explicitly like don't make jokes to the patients, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they were like less happy. Or there was one lady who... um in like for patients that were in comas, no one told her to do this. This wasn't part of her job. She would just change the paintings around. So they had, so she felt like now that, you know, if they can see or whatever, now they're just have some different art to look at. They're laying here all the time. And oh, it was like, really and she was so like, she felt like happiness and pride in her job. And she was able to like, engage in some core character strength that's like definitely like the jobs that i've quit in a heartbeat are ones where like i'm just micromanaged to death yeah like i just kind of gravitate towards like the the like the jobs that i always stay at are ones where like i just have a huge amount of agency yeah because i feel like with waiting tables it's like hire somebody who knows how to do the job and if they don't know how to do it fire them there's like thousands of people trying to look for these jobs right it's like it's okay. Like turnover in that type of job is not rare. Yeah. You know? So it's like, I I expect when someone hires me that they like listen to what I had to say and saw my experience on the resume and were like, you can do this job. And yeah, I'm like, right. great. I've worked at places where like they nitpick the way that you hold the, you know, like not like in super fine dining places, there's certain steps of service that you have to do every time yeah. at every table and everyone has to do them the same way. But like, you know, sometimes you'll just work at places like diners and they'll just like you were going to get a job at this pancake house. Right. Yeah. And it's like people will say you can't, you know, every time you pitch to a table, you have to tell them the specials first and tell them in this order. And you always quote the steak price at this. And like, you know, it's just like you're fine. Like, yeah. just let me do it. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. stop telling me like my, pro- <laughs> like, or people will try to tell you what your priorities should be. Like your priority should always be to refill people's yeah. soft drinks. And it's like, okay, I'll do that. And I just won't take the orders. Yeah. Right. You right, know? right it's yeah. just like, don't be an asshole. Like, I know what my steps of service need to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, get the do you think that they want anything or do you think that they want like their third diet Coke? Like that person can hang out for a second. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so my top, oh, here's, here are my top five. Love, humor, curiosity, honesty, and creativity, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is I can sit here and say like, well, I want to um, be a professional podcaster. I want, I want our podcast to bring in all the money we need to live our life, right? Yeah. I want to be a, um, like, write and create a TV show starring Muriel Montgomery, like a comedy, oh. ensemble-based like ridiculous comedy, right? And like that's what I want and that's my goal, right? Now, that would be a great job and that absolutely would 100% call upon love, humor, curiosity, honesty, and creativity, right? I would have to engage those things to be able to to do that. I mean, I engage all of those with every single podcast episode we do, for instance, right? right. Now, here's the thing. There might be another job that on paper sounds almost the exact, like completely in a different realm that has nothing to do with entertainment or podcasting or comedy or anything 
that actually calls upon all of those things. I don't know. Like I listened to one of her Dr. Santos's podcasts about like the guy, the happiest person with the happiest job. And he was like a, an exterminator and he killed uh, rodents. And that's consistently thought of as like probably the worst job anyone could ever want. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why do you like it? And he was like, well, I get to meet people and every job is different. So I always have to come up with creative ways to do this. And, you know, it was just like when he talked about why he liked it, he never once mentioned, I like, I like killing, killing animals. Yeah. He was like, well, I like helping people. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and I get to go around and travel around to different parts of the county and all this shit. Right. So it's like, you know, that's been a big part of what I've kind of been, Miral and I have been talking about on our two hour walks during this pandemic is like what other jobs actually do kind of call upon those things. Because there are tons of jobs in the entertainment industry that might be a lot closer on paper to that job of like running our own show or having a big successful podcast or whatever that don't call on any of those strengths. Right. Right. And you know it when you like, it's, it's a weird thing to come to terms with. I mean, as you get older, I feel like you start to understand more and more of what you're doing. But like, I just realized like there's some things that I love about what I do and some things that I cannot stand about what I do. Like I, I, there's aspects to auditioning that I hate and like, you know, like there's just so many things that are like fundamental to like success, being successful that I like, it's like, I just either don't do them or it's like pulling teeth and it's not natural for me. It is kind of coming to this, like coming to this conclusion naturally of like, I actually like, doing these actions less than I like that this job title. Yeah. Right. You know, and that's a really weird thing to come to terms with at this age, you know, because you'd hope you'd be locked into some career you're excited about, (laughs) Yeah, right. you know, at at, at pre 40. But, you know, I think a lot of us aren't. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. I don't know. Misery loves company. All right. right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, um, there are two out of all that whole list of character strengths. There are two that are generally associated with overall well-being and happiness more than any of the other what are strengths. They? Number one is zest, okay, which is my sixth highest character strength. I'll read the definition of it real quick. Zest. You are likely to view your work as a calling in life in that the work is deeply fulfilling, meaningful, and purposeful. Zest is closely connected with the strength of hope, which I'll talk about next. That's the other one. Uh, as both are aligned with a higher positivity. Zest is more in the moment, but each has an element of looking to the future. <laughs> My zest was hella low. <laughs> see, okay, see, this is interesting. I actually talked about this on one of our bonus episodes with Brian that you weren't on, but like my zest is high. Like I have a lot of zest. I know you're so zesty. I'm so zestful. People, (laughs) what is it? People who are high in zest are excited to get up in the morning and they live their lives like an adventure. Zest means approaching a situation or life in general with excitement and energy, not approaching tasks or activities halfway or half-heartedly. That's zest. Okay. Now the other one. What if you like to? What if you approach things like really intensely and yeah. you want them to be perfect, but you're not happy about it? Uh, I don't know what that would be called. <laughs> that would just be called uh, Murialism. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So the other one, which is my second to the lowest quality, is hope. Okay. So hope is more than a feel-good emotion. 
It is an action-oriented strength involving agency, the motivation and confidence that goals can be reached, and also that many effective pathways can be devised in order to get to that desired future. Research findings on the benefits of strength of hope found hope is one of the two character strengths most associated with life satisfaction and well-being. People who are hopeful are less likely to be anxious or depressed. If they do become anxious or depressed, those feelings tend not to overwhelm them. Hopeful people tend to be healthier, happier, and more successful. Hope leads to greater longevity. So one of the things I really, really, really worked on (laughs) while I was going through this course was trying to develop some hope. And it has been really hard for me. It's really low on the list and it is truly like been a challenge for me. I'm full of zest. Uh, That little animation, let's do it. This podcast episode, that's great. Like jumping into like little things. I know. You are full of zest. You are zesty. I am am so zesty. I know. Hope, not a shred. I know. Not a single shred. And I've really, really been working on it. And it's it's been hard. So like part of the homework that she asks you to do is like once you come up with those strengths to really focus on your top five and really try to like, you know, engage those. But the problem for me is when I was going through that, I was like feeling bad. And when you're feeling bad, you know, it's like you can kind of look at your top strengths and then suddenly they become the reasons why you're in the situation you are. Like, okay, love, humor, curiosity. It's just like, yeah, I'm I'm here because I love Muriel. And if I didn't have her, I'd be more dedicated to, you know, (laughs) to my goals, you know, and humor is like, yeah, I can make jokes out of things, which makes failing a lot easier and more palatable because I can always (laughs) make a joke out of it. And like my curiosity is what allows me to not focus on one thing and allows me to be zest and you, you know look oh, around but that's what i'm saying it's I like no i know i maybe i should have led with this but <laughs> i do think the uh happiness course is probably very beneficial for people that you know want to increase their happiness or learn about it they're like medium but yeah, yeah but i think if you're dealing with some perhaps disordered thinking i don't know how much this stuff if you're can, super depressed yeah. like, well if you're super depressed nothing works it's all right. just like what is like nothing seems real right except for probably therapy and medication which you know it's not hopeless <gasps> look at that i'm saying it's not hopeless Whoa! i think i think other people have hope uh just you know i have hope for other people boy you okay Smack you. So anyways, so far what we have works is getting a good job with flow and um, having hope and zest. Okay. Another, another thing that really, really leads to happiness. And I think you and I are good at both of these are savoring. Okay. And gratitude. Ah. So savoring is this when you really enjoy like the moment. Yeah. Right. And a lot of this kind of comes down to being in the moment. Right. And savoring is a great way to be in the moment. It's when you bite into something that's delicious and you enjoy it. It's when you walk down the street and you feel the warm sun on your skin while the breeze hits it. And you just really sort of like appreciating that what you're enjoying is like a blessed, lucky thing to be experiencing. (laughs) We're so good at that. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just like gluttons. We're like physical, like um, hedonists with each other. Like we're so into it. And then the next one is gratitude. So gratitude is, okay, here's the definition. It's a positive emotional state in which one recognizes and appreciates what one had received in life. Research shows that taking time to experience gratitude can make you happier and even healthier. So, the problem is with this one is when you're really in when you're really having some disordered thinking, 
you come up with what your grat what your gratitude is, and then you just feel like more of a piece of trash for feeling bad, even though all these incredibly wonderful oh, things have happened yeah, in your life. Totally. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like, I do think that we practice gratitude. I try to. I think that, yeah, I think we both try and I think we both succeed in that. So that's a big thing. Oh, and then just one thing they say that really helps. First of all, keep a gratitude journal. And then another one is if you write a letter to a person that you're thankful to and like really write out a letter of gratitude to a person and then give them that thing that people report like um, increased happiness for like months after doing that. Ooh, I, I gotta try good, that. Right? I never write people letters. Okay. Except my grandma. <laughs> and uh I don't know, you send people um you know shit talking texts a lot. I do. Um, I do do that. And I send people videos that I think are funny. Okay. Next one. <laughs> Scientifically proven to make you happier, exercising at least 30 minutes a day. Got it. Okay. That's it just works. Um and it also makes you way smarter also um wait what it makes you like it, it makes you smarter like um people they did all these tests same with this next one too but they did tests with people that like exercise for 30 minutes and studied for an hour less versus people that studied for an hour more and didn't exercise and people who did the exercise did better um on their tests Ooh. um same with sleeping at least seven hours, okay? So people who sleep for seven hours and study for two hours less do better on tests than people that study for those extra two hours and only sleep for five hours. What if you don't study at all and you don't sleep? <laughs> then you're really not doing well. <laughs> Basically, sleep is so important to overall well-being. I can't well -being. sleep, man. They say getting less than five hours a night consistently is chronic sleep deprivation mm -hmm. do you think you have that uh at times i can yeah. go for i i could go for a while on five hours a night maybe yeah. not less than four but yeah. like I, it's not intentional yeah. i try to go to bed i right. just can't fall asleep and then when i fall asleep i wake up at like I have really bad circadian rhythm issues. So uh -huh. I'll wake up at the crack of dawn. Yeah. Like when the light imperceptibly changes. Yeah, right. That's when old Muriel's <laughs> hackles jump up. <laughs> and I also have to pee at night all the time. I'm yeah. just like not a good sleeper. Yeah. I've never been a good sleeper though. Well, um, we let's try to come up with some creative ways to... I know we've sort of implemented things in the past, but let's try to refocus on that because it's it's pretty rough. And for people with chronic sleep deprivation, it just leads to all sorts of really bad health impacts also. So anyways, got to sleep seven hours a night. Um, <laughs> so this idea that like money doesn't buy happiness is true to an extent. There are ways that you can spend your money that are that will make you happier than buying things. And those two things are invest in experiences Okay, that's what they always tell you. That's what they always tell you, which I uh, agree with. Well, I would I agree rather with have a it. fancy dinner or go on a trip. Right. But I also think that is part of the bag of uh, tricks that have been sold to the, our generation. So now we don't own anything. It's like, <laughs> you don't need pr a, a house, property. <laughs> what? No, millennials, you need experiences. No. Go out and get some memories. And all, <laughs> meanwhile, they're just hoarding all the property and land. No, I, mean, uh, I think it's like, yeah, and buying a house is always going to be easy. <laughs> That's yeah, the other part. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, yeah. And then, um, and then, and spending money on other people. 
consistently scientifically proven to make you happier than spending money on yourself. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Like when you like this Christmas, we got a couple. We didn't spend a lot of money, but we spent a lot of time making some Christmas presents that we were like really into. Yeah. And that was like I was so much more excited about people getting their presents and me getting mine. <laughs> I well, And then with my siblings, cause we're not seeing each other. And I was just like, let's put some energy into this. Why don't we do like a little group share that like everyone picks something that they want or some, you know, so we actually pooled our money and each sibling got a great gift. I was so excited to give the gifts and I got a ridiculously sick minor league baseball hat. Hello. And then <laughs> um, also, and then just also because my brother Mario is doing great and making some money with his music and stuff. He saw this. Oh my God, you guys, I'm just going to tell you real quick. My little brother, Mario saw that I had posted on Instagram, uh, this vintage Mariners jacket. And I just wrote this joke. Like this is the outfit I'm going to be wearing when I come up with my vision board. Right. And this fool bought me that vintage Mariners jacket, the exact jacket, the exact jacket from that Instagram post which I didn't even realize was for sale, you know? And he sent it to me and I opened it on Christmas day and I have not loved getting a gift like that maybe ever in my life. It might've literally (laughs) been the most like, Oh my, like there's other presents that are like, I appreciate and are meaningful and wonderful and, but just like the crazy surprise, it was like the magic of Christmas got put back into my life. And anyways, it was just like that fool. I, I, I'll speak for him. I know he felt better about getting giving me that than he would have felt about giving that to himself. Uh, it was so great. I, anyways, that's not exactly what we're talking about, but. Um, okay. So spend money on other people. Okay. And quickly, we're just going to get through these last things. Okay. (laughs) We got to get on with our life. Okay. So you got to meditate. All right. You got to meditate. Helps you stay in the moment. I can't do it. Meditating sucks. I've been trying to breathe better through my nose, through my nose, no longer be a mouth breather. (laughs) Meditation helps everything in life. Okay. 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 Uh, also prioritizing time over money. It's called time affluence, Mm -hmm. uh, which we have tons of, and people who have been through this pandemic might start to argue with the time affluence idea, but I'm a hundred percent on board with time affluence. I love time affluence. Yeah. Um, another thing that works is just say you're happy. That actually works. Just fake it until you make it. That literally works. They did this big study with like the guy who was like the original member of the Beatles. Oh yeah. Kicked out. And then um, like this guy kind of famously said like, uh, you know, some famous dude lost his fortune and he was like, you know, I've never been happier. And the thing is, is like you think like, well, they're just saying that to cope with the, you know, how huge of a mistake it was to leave the Beatles or you know, how badly he, you know, behaved in order to lose his fortune, how dumb he was. Like, it's just a coping mechanism. And the reality of it is, is it doesn't really matter. If you just say you're happy, it ends up working. Well, we should do that this week. I'm happy right now. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm okay. so happy. Then there's something called a growth mindset, which you need to incorporate over a fixed mindset, okay? That's basically... um A fixed mindset is that you just are either good at something or you're bad at something. And you're either the best at something or you're the worst at something, right? So a fixed mindset is like, this is how I am at this. A growth mindset is uh, believing that your abilities can be developed, Mm -hmm. okay? Long story short, if you have a growth mindset that you feel like your 
abilities can be developed, that will actually lead to more happiness. Because it's not about getting better. It's not about now I need to be even better. It's not like this endless sort of like climb uphill. It's just like if, if you believe that they can be developed across all walks of life, then that just leads to overall better well-being. All right. I okay. think I do that all the time. Okay. okay. Yep. You're on it. Strong social ties. Very important. Okay. Mm-hmm. That means uh, that means two things. One, that means connecting with loved ones in on a meaningful level for like periods of time that is key to happiness and two it means talking to strangers which i I never do and i don't like doing and um but apparently talk to strangers have little interactions i i'll say this like i was taking lifts a lot before the pandemic yeah Um, not a lot but like enough right and i would talk to people in those lifts yeah. And it always made me feel really good, especially yeah. when I was loose and we were like just driving around at night yeah. and like coming because it was normally when I'm coming back from a show and it's really late. Yeah. I'm usually kind of weird about talking to strangers yeah. or something. I don't know. Sometimes yeah. I avoid it, whatever. But I just feel I felt good every single time. Yeah. I would get out of the car and just be like super, super, super lighthearted. Anyway. Okay, cool. I, I know. I have a hard time with it, but apparently it really works. I know you're a little girl, Polina. Okay. Okay, great. Then, um, <laughs> and then finally, there is one goal setting method that they really preach in this um, course. Okay. Okay. And I, I'm going to go through it. It'll take a little bit of time, but I'll try to do it fast here. Okay. It is called WOOP. W-O-O-P. Okay. Ew. I know. She's like a hilarious, like old school, um, like a... Hardcore European lady with like a thick accent. She's like, whoop. Okay, anyways, that stands for wish, outcome, obstacles, plan. Okay. And it's kind of like meditating. You gotta you gotta do it like five minutes a day. Give yourself a um some quiet. It's it's basically like a daily way to kind of help yourself. Okay. And what it is, is you come up with a wish, and the wish needs to be connected to a time frame. So what is your wish for the day? What is your wish for four weeks? What is your wish for a year, right? And that actually takes some work. You actually need to sort of get at the core of what you want, right? And you, you so that, that, that actually takes some, you have to like do some soul searching and really kind of like dig in and find like what is the essence of what I really want, right? Associated with the time frame. Then you come up with that thing in like three or four words. Then you think, what is the outcome of that wish? What will I get? What will I feel like? And then you really sit in that. You write that down for like three or four words too. But then you really spend some time imagining what it'll feel like. What's the outcome? What's the relief? What's the happiness? What's the What do you get from it? What's your outcome if your wish comes true? Then you go to your obstacles. What will get in my way me exactly so what within (laughs) you will get in your way because here's the thing what that's that's interesting because if the obstacle is me right and you can kind of identify what that is what that does is that actually retroactively shows you that your wish is feasible so Uh if you get to obstacles if your obstacle if your wish is by the end of the day i want a lamborghini and the obstacle is i don't have a million dollars how are you going to get you know what I mean? Like if that obstacle is not within you, 
that is not something you can actually fix because then you come up with your plan or whatever, then that actually shows you that your wish is not that feasible and infeasible wishes lead to unhappiness. But if you actually have feasible wishes and you can accomplish them, then um, that kind of uh, eases the burden of feeling like there's all this infeasible shit out there that you wish would happen for yourself. Right? Yeah, yeah. So then you come up with your obstacles, right? It's probably going to be you. You have to be honest specifically, you know, is it, is it the failure? Is it whatever? Are you scared of this or whatever those things are? You come up with those obstacles. Then you come up with a plan for how to deal with the obstacles. And the, and the other thing that happens is if you go through that process and you come up with your wish, you feel the outcome, you, you recognize what the obstacles are and you come up with a plan for how to deal with those obstacles it sort of does two things at once. Once it sort of kind of tricks your brain into thinking about those obstacles in different ways automatically, right? So for instance, if like there's a really fun party coming up um, on Saturday, this is obviously a pre-pandemic example, right? That is, uh, would get in the way of you studying for a test, right? Then suddenly your brain no longer thinks of that as a really fun party. Now it thinks of it as an obstacle to getting what you really want, right? Mm -hmm. So you're already, you're already getting your brain to think about things. Like if you had a big piece of pizza, if you like, if your wish was to lose the weight, right? Mm -hmm. And then like, well, what's the obstacle? It's like, well, I'm going to eat pizza, right? And then your plan is now to part of the plan is recognizing that this thing is actually an obstacle and mm-hmm. how are you going to not order the pizza? How are you going to stay away from the pizza? Whatever, whatever. And then if all of that makes sense, it even double proves that that is a wish that you truly, truly want that you can actually, that is a feasible thing to accomplish that you can actually do. Right. And scientifically they say it works. Whoop. I am hella inspired to do whoop journals in the morning. I love whoop. So I did it one time (laughs) and was really into it and then got depressed and forgot about it. But this is one of the main reasons uh, why I'm really. You know what um, I like about this, dude? Because you can say your wishes. I wish to eat pizza. And what are the obstacles in front of that? And it's like, because I think you can do it positively and negatively. I wish to eat pizza. What's the, what's the obstacles to that? I, uh, I want to like lose the weight. Yeah. So then, okay, hold on. Whoop. So first, what's your wish? I want to eat some pizza. Okay. What's the outcome of that? (laughs) You have to think outcome first and you have to, you have to imagine the outcome. Oh, that's annoying. Okay. Now I get it. Cause then I'd be like farting (laughs) and not losing weight. (laughs) Right. So you have to come up with your outcome first, right? (laughs) Boo! <laughs> this ruins all my plans. <laughs> Why do they the outcome, man? Um, all right. So that's it. We're just going to do a full on recap. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we're, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap this up. Two hours now. in. <laughs> okay. We're wrapping it up. Here we go. This is the recap for how to be happy. Okay. Okay. You have to make exactly $75,000 a year right? doing something that gives you flow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just bring that period right on. You have to prioritize time affluence. <laughs> you have to spend your money on experiences and other people. Okay. Okay. Do not want anybody except the one you have. Okay, great. Okay? I love that. You need to have hope and zest. You have to exercise 30 minutes a day. You have to sleep seven hours a night. You have to be in the moment. Okay. And you really do that through meditation, uh, which like increases mindfulness 
and savoring things. Okay. You have to, Oh, I didn't talk about this, but you got to be kind to people. Just do acts of kindness. It makes you happier. Okay. You have to do acts of kindness. Okay. You have to practice gratitude. Great. Don't watch TV or use social media. Just really, truly like a big thing is just take social media off your phone. I've done it in the last week and it, took me out of a darker place and I'm like doing so much better already. Take social media off the phone. It's the easiest thing to do right away. You have to embrace a growth mindset. Okay. That's where your um, abilities can be developed. You need to cultivate social ties. Okay. Mm -hmm. That means talk to strangers and connect with loved ones. You have to identify feasible wishes and then make them happen through whoop. Okay. (laughs) And then the final thing is just fake it till you make it. Just say you're happy. Just say that this is the best thing that could we have ever happened to me. We should write these down on like a on the wall, like on a piece. Well, of paper. I'll put on my Mariners vintage jacket that Mario sent me, and I'll come up with a vision board right now. Will you do that? Okay, yes, for our house, and we'll put it right there on the front of the door. You can't leave the house until you look at until it. Until you look at it and, and read it out loud. Yeah. And then next to that, we'll write suntan lotion because you need to put on lotion when you oh leave. Oh my god, Ugh. can't. Okay, whoop. Wish to put on sunglasses, sand lotion, <laughs> obstacle. No, what's the outcome first? You have oh, to outcome. outcome first. <laughs> See, I always want to go straight to obstacle <laughs> because I always think it's impossible. Right. Outcome, I won't get sunburned. Great. Obstacle. Obstacle, I either, I am forgetful uh-huh. or I don't like the feeling of it. Okay. Now, what is a plan to overcome those obstacles? Uh, buy a small bottle of a nice high-end sunscreen that uh-huh. i like the feel of and put it in my purse whoop there it is whoop there it is whoop there it is i don't i've never even thought of that <laughs> that's so funny because i could even fit the one i have right now that i don't love in my purse <laughs> and i would probably be like because i leave the house and as soon as i do i regret it yeah whoop that was actually pretty effective. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Keep it in your purse. Well, this has been Dr. Castellini's Guide to the Science of Well-Being. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Okay. And with this, here's what I'm excited about. I am going to write out those bullet points and we're going to have them. Okay. Okay. And now I'm going to put away that book that I wrote that uh-huh. was making me so depressed. Right. And that's done. I'm going to edit this podcast. We are going to publish it, and then that little chunk of creativity has been accomplished and done. And now I will be happy <laughs> <Freedom Nikki. laughs> any day now. <laughs> hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Com. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia. What are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love Campfire.